Hey, hey, hey there, everybody. Good afternoon. Welcome to Chalk Talk. I'm your host, Kim Davis. Thank you, as always, for joining me. Thank you for being flexible. You know, we sometimes during football training camp and preseason have to change the time. So if you're here live, I appreciate you making the adjustment. If you're watching the replay, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. I'm super excited about today's show. We have um, an incredible special guest for our big interview who we will get to shortly. It's the kind of questions and conversations that many of you have been having. I know I've been having. And so we brought in the right person to help us navigate all this madness about what in the world we should be eating if we want to not just be the best version of ourselves, but come on, we want to slim down. We want to be healthy. We want to get this weight off. Is that you? Well, you're here for the right you're at the right show. Of course, later we're going to talk about what's happening with the Texans. I'll let you hear from Rockets head coach Ime Odoka and uh, KPJ. But first, we got to take care of a few of the people who are part of this show each and every week. Of course, our good friends over at I Love Jinka are, have some exciting news. They are now going to be in all 175 HEB stores, right, that have a healthy living section. It is the turmeric paste. It's called I Love Jinka. It comes in the paste form. It comes in the vegan veggie capsules. And it's good for anything that has to do with inflammation. And if you are in H-E-B, this is where you find it. Here at H-E-B, in the healthy living department, the probiotics, you can find Here at H-E-B, in the healthy living department, the probiotics, you can find Jinka seven days a week. And of course, don't forget about your Kimmy treats. You can get them at Sunshine's Vegetarian Deli, or you can get it online at KimmyTreats.com. It's vegan popcorn with all the hand whipped body butter, and of course, the Kimmy treats are back. So, a few things for you to check out. We'll have more for you later in the show. Um, I want to make sure I get to our guest because he was super kind to adjust his schedule to join us today. You've seen him um, for years talking about the various books he's written. He's a best-selling author. He was a host of Doctors. I actually met him early in his career when he was starting this journey as a TV doctor. He is the go-to person when it comes to I guess this whole weight loss world, right? What do you do if you're trying to be healthier and lose some weight? Which diet? What should I eat? I saw him recently promise that he could help me and make me thin and beautiful. So we're going to hold him to it. Welcome to the show, uh, my friend, Dr. Ian Smith. Hey, good to see you. Good to see you. <laughs> Listen, I know that you have been super busy, so thank you for taking some time out to visit with us. I'm sure that everywhere you go, people ask you, what should I do? What should I eat? You know, what's the difference in all these programs? I know you have a new book out, The Met Flex Diet. You said that is the one. I have done some of the others. I did the fast burn a while back. It was very effective. So tell us about The Met Flex Diet. Well, first of all, there is no one answer for everyone. Um, there are a lot of great programs out there besides mine. And just because I may have a great program doesn't mean it works for you. People have to be better discerners, better detectives about what program will work best for them. What do I mean by that? Can you afford the program? Do you like the foods that are on the program? Can you stick to the schedule of the program? I mean, 
people need to need to do a better job of first looking at least underneath the rock to see what the program actually entails. And once you've done that and you feel you're never going to be 100 percent, but if you feel like I can actually do this program, then you invest in the program and kind of go all in for it. The Metflex diet is a program that is uh, built to improve people's metabolic flexibility. And people may not have heard that term before. Metabolic flexibility basically is this. Imagine a hybrid car that has a battery and it has gas. Okay. When the battery runs out, the gas becomes the fuel of choice and the car can keep going. A gas-powered car only has gas. So once that fuel source is gone, the car stops until you can refuel it. The gas-powered car is metabolically inflexible, which means Ooh. it only can use one type of fuel. The hybrid car is metabolically flexible because it can use battery, it can use gas. So it is a different, it is a flexible fuel um, uh, occupier or user. Now, how does that relate to the body? The body has important macronutrients, okay? These are substances, ingredients we need in large supply. Two of those macros, as they're called, are carbs and fats. Unfortunately, some of us can burn carbs well and not fats. Others can burn fats well and not carbs. If you can only burn one or the other well, you are metabolically inflexible. You can't use both well. This program, the Metflex diet, helps you be able to burn carbs well and to be able to burn fats well. Uh, and that is why it's called the Metflex diet. And so people would be emailing me or sending me messages on Instagram or Facebook saying, Dr. Ian, I'm eating better, I'm moving better, but I still can't lose any weight. Well, it's not that they're not eating well. It's not that they're not exercising well. It's that their metabolism switch is stuck and they need to mm. unstick the metabolic switch which means that they need to become more metabolically flexible. That is so one refreshing <laughs> because I think it explains a lot, a lot of, from a lot of the questions that people have. And I'm so glad that you started with everything doesn't work for everybody, right? I mean, I know some people who have had tremendous success on the keto diet. I just am not interested in it. I just can't really wrap my mind around why that's something, a way that I should eat. And I also know I can't sustain that long-term because I like more of a balance. I, I do a lot of plant-based stuff. I don't want to do a lot of dairy, right? And so the idea of adding a lot of fats makes me nervous. So to think about having some flexibility in this space is encouraging to me. What do you say to people who, um, one, want something that's going to work really fast? I think we know that that's probably not really sustainable, well, what do you say that's encouraging for people? And especially say women who are over, over 40 or 45 and have hit that stage of pre-menopause and menopause. Is this, is this something that's also helpful for that, that group? Yeah. Well, people who want to lose weight fast, I used to say, don't lose it fast, lose it slow, own the weight loss, but you can lose it relatively fast if you do it in a healthy way. So okay. I'm less concerned about the speed of your weight loss and more concerned about the methodology that you're employing for the weight loss. If you're losing weight quickly, but you're doing it by doing something extreme, or you are nutritionally unsound, making, you know, you're malnourishing yourself, uh, you're starving yourself or whatever, that concerns me. But if you're losing weight relatively quickly by eating well, doing intermittent fasting, making smart choices, I'm okay with that. So 
on the Netflix diet, I gave it to a thousand people before it came out. Um, and we have a Facebook group that people who are watching should join. It's called Metflex Diet, the name of the book. But in that group, I gave it to a thousand people. And the average weight loss was 14 to 16 pounds in six weeks and eight to 10 inches because this is a program that actually burns fat. It's targeting your fat and using your fat for energy sometimes rather than using your food. You speak to the perimenopausal or menopausal women. We have lots of women who are in their 50s and 60s. We have people up into their late 70s who have done tremendous on the program. So this is a program that honestly and truly can work for a 19-year-old girl, a young lady, all the way to you know a 60-year-old guy, uh, to a 70-year-old woman. I mean, we have all demographics in the group, um, and it works very well. And the, what people have said unanimously about the program is they like its flexibility. You have choices in this program. It's not you have to eat this, you can't eat that. Programs that are overly restrictive tend to be very difficult to make to get people to be compliant with. And so I try to give people as much latitude as possible. For example, there are days you can have alcohol. Uh, there are days you're going to be eating pizza and pasta, uh, steak or fish. There's all kinds of food options on the plan because people need to still be able to eat and drink things that they enjoy. But how do my my task is to teach people how to do it in a way that can still help them lose weight. So I heard you say pizza and pasta. Did you really just say that? <laughs> 100%. Because they're carbs. Listen, carbs are a macronutrient. And the reason why we call them macronutrients is because the body needs them in macro supply, large supply. So when people say I'm on a no carb diet, I don't eat carbs, that is actually nutritionally unsound. You need carbs, you need fats, and you need protein. Those are your three macronutrients. You need all of them. And so to go around and not eat carbs is problematic because when you do start eating carbs, then you're not processing carbs very well because you're kind of, let's say you're out of practice of mm. burning carbs. And so, yes, you need fats. Yes, you need carbs. Yes, you're going to have pasta. Yes, you're going to have fish and steak if you want. But you're going to eat all these things so that your body, whenever you sit down to the table and if you're sitting down to a carbohydrate rich meal, your body says, mm, I got it. No problem. You sit down to a fattier meal, your body says, mm, I got it, no problem. That is the metabolic flexibility we're trying to achieve with the Metflex diet. Dr. Ian, I want to talk about how you came to this work. Like, right? How did you end up becoming an expert in this space? What drove you to say, this is an area that I want to focus on, I want to help people with? How did you get, to, how did you get here? Well, I have always obviously been interested in medicine and science um, and my primary interest in medicine was to actually to help people. I know it sounds colloquial, but it's very true. <laughs> but the way I got into writing about, about fitness and nutrition is when I was a columnist for Time Magazine many years ago, I wrote this column in the back of the book and my readers would be constantly asking me questions about weight loss, fat burners, metabolism, nutrition, even though my column had nothing to do with it. I'd write a mm. column about the flu and 80% of my questions in my email box were about how do I lose weight? Uh, and so I finally said, you know what? There's something here. Let me delve into this. And so I really got into trying to understand nutrition and weight loss really to help my readers because I felt like I was not being sufficient in giving them the help that they needed. They really needed help. And so that started the whole 
journey into weight loss and it just kind of went from there. So one of the things that I, I think is really cool is that you've had a lot of people have had success from the, the, the books that you've written over the years, but you keep evolving, right? I remember when you went to the one and you were doing more plant-based stuff and then now there's the Metflex. Is that because you just, are you continuing to either respond to people's questions or you're just continuing to delve more into learning the different things that really help people? Well, because there's so many aspects to weight loss and to good nutrition there are people who need to reduce their sugar. There are people who want to eat more plant-based. There are people who want to eat cleaner. I mean, think about it. There are all these different ways to eat and strategies that one book can't really fully encompass all of the different strategies. And so the topics I choose tend to be driven, yes, by my followers uh, who are asking me questions, but it also tends to be driven by research and what kind of the latest thing is and if it makes sense. And so I kind of wait until I see things evolving and what may be the future. Um, and I try to take a stab at it. You mentioned something. And I know when I saw you here in Houston about a month ago, you mentioned intermittent fasting. And my first thought was, oh, I don't like it, which actually it's not hard for me when I do it. But then I, I think about it when we were younger, you would kind of stop eating after six. Right. We didn't call it intermittent fasting. So when I look at it that way, it's just really having a time that you kind of stop. Right. Why is that so effective? Well, first of all, people have been intermittent fasting for a long time and just called it different or didn't call it anything. Right. Um, in fact, when you're sleeping at night, you're actually intermittent fasting because you're not eating while you're sleeping. Intermittent fasting is not starving. It is deciding when you're going to eat your meals and snacks and then having a period where you're not going to be eating meals and snacks. So it's not a novel concept, but what people now have done is they've made it more structured. In order for it to be most effective, it needs to be structured. For example, you should do the same type of intermittent fasting on a regular basis and not change it every other day. Your body needs to get into a groove. So if you're doing the 5-2 method or the alternate day method, or as you just mentioned, which is the time-restricted feeding method where you take the 24 hours of a day and you break it up into a feeding window and a fasting window. That's what you just mentioned. With whichever method you choose, and by the way, in the Metflex diet, we do all three, whichever you choose, you need to be consistent. And the reason why it works is because the whole drive of intermittent fasting is to get your body to use your fat stores for energy. Fat is a storage form of energy. The Intermittent fasting wants your body to break down the fat and use that for energy rather than use the energy of food consumption. And so those during those periods of fasting, and by the way, the longer you fast, the more you need to drive into your fat stores to get that for energy. But during that fast, your body is breaking down fat and transforming it and put it into a, a, a fuel form that your body can use because during fasting, you don't have food. Your body would prefer to use food energy always. It's easier, it's more abundant, your body wants food. But if you take that off the table, your body eventually is gonna to have to go to your fat and use that for energy. I'm talking to Dr. Ian Smith, and right now we're talking about how to eat, right? How to eat, how to be healthy, how to find the thing that works for you. If somebody's tuning in and they're like, I haven't tried any of these things. First, before I ask you that question, let's talk about the three different intermittent fasting, the, the different kinds of fasting. Tell us what those are and how they work. Yeah, well, there are more than three because they're derivatives, but the three I, the major three that I use in the book, the first is the time-restricted feeding method, TRF. You take 24 hours of a day, you break it up into a fasting window where you're not going to be eating and a feeding window. So let's say you're doing a 16-8 method. 
that's 16 hours of fasting, eight hours of when you're doing all your eating. The next method we use is the 5-2 method. That's five days of relatively normal eating and two days of low calorie eating, 800 calories or less. Those two days should not be consecutive. So that's the 5-2 method. The last method is the alternate day fast. This is an aggressive method, but it's extremely effective. And that is you alternate a normal day, then a 500 calorie day, then a normal, then a 500 calorie. You do that all week long. So you're alternating your fast. In this instance, we're calling fast low calories. The technical definition of fast obviously is no calories, but the alternate day fast says regular calories, 500 calories, regular calories, 500 calories, and you're alternating. Those are three major methods. That is fascinating. And is it just about finding what works for you? Um, which of those methods? You said you use all three in, the, in this book, but. I use you... all three in the book, but while you're doing it, you may say, well, week four, I didn't like the fasting I was doing, which means if you do another cycle, this is a six, only a six week program. So a lot of people are doing the cycle again and again. Next time when you do the cycle, then just switch up the intermittent fasting style that you like. Or if you like all three of them because you like to have something different, then you just try it the way the book is written. Rainey said she just ordered the book and the journal. Great information. I mean, every time I talk to you, I feel like I, I learned something. I followed you for years. And, and so to go back to, um, I said I met him early in his career. I was working in Illinois. I was going to the NABJ convention, the regional. It was in Milwaukee. And there I met Dr. Ian um, who was already a physician. I think you were living in Chicago, right? And yep. you were at the NABJ conference. And then years later, I saw you at, I was working at the NBC affiliate of Houston and I saw you there, got a chance to have you on my show. And then a month ago, I ran into you at the, the Fox station talking about the Metflex diet and was super excited and cannot wait to actually, um, to actually get started. So I, I'm excited about it. What is it that excites you most when you run into people or when you see people kind of get it? Find one of the things that you've you've been teaching over the years that works for them. How does that, what does that do for you when you say people are getting it? I'm helping people. Well, my oxygen, I tell you all the time, my oxygen is when people send me a message on Facebook and our group or Instagram and say, Dr. Ian, my blood pressure came down. I had to reduce my medication or... Um, I was able to walk a distance I haven't walked in many, many years. Or I'm fitting into a pair of jeans that have been in the back of my closet for five years. When people tell me how anything I have advised or suggested has changed their life, that's my oxygen. That's really what makes me keep going. Um, and so I love to hear it. Um, I can't get enough of it because, listen, even motivators need motivation. And so that motivates me when someone says it actually you know, I lost 20 pounds and I was able to get off my cholesterol medication. Those kind of stories say to me, it's working and I got to keep doing it. Because sometimes when you're doing this work, you don't know the impact it has on people. Um, you're not, I'm not with them face to face. So sometimes you're like, well, is this really helping people? But when people confirm mm -hmm. that it is, then obviously that feels really good. So I said that he, um, I said that you are a best-selling author, but you don't just write books about diet and health. I mean, you're also... A novelist, and you yes. uh, ventured in that space too. Um, so you like to write. What's your latest one? It is the Overnights. Tell us yes. about that one. Yeah, the Overnights is the third installment of my Chicago-based PI series. It's based on an African American detective who used to be a detective with Chicago Police Department, 
He is now a private investigator in the city and he takes on very select cases in and around the city. But he's a, he's the kind of character I always wanted to create. He is irreverent. He's smart. He is um, sarcastic. He's self-deprecating. He's handsome. He's an athlete. He's a golf addict. He's rough at times when he needs to be, but he's also very sensitive. He's very bad in romance. Um, and, and he's a golf addict. So, and he, he, and he is a pursuer of justice, no matter what, like Ash Kane is his name. Ash Kane will go to the ends of the earth to make sure that right is done. So this is the third installment, uh, the overnights. It's about two Chicago anchor women who are vying for supremacy to be number one in the ratings period during sweeps, uh, and things go left. Uh, and Ash Kane is called in to help. And I wanted to say this real fast, that uh, if you like mysteries, you will love this. But also, this is my 25th book. So for some fun, I've created a $10,000 giveaway contest, $10,000. If you can solve the clues and the five questions uh, that are related to Ash Kane. So if you go to my Facebook group called The Good Reading Room, The Good Reading Room, join that. Or on Instagram, at Dr. Ian Smith, spell the doctor out, I-A-N Smith. If you look at the link in my bio, you'll see the clues and the questions. And you got to get all five right. The first one to submit all five answers will win the $10,000. You said $10,000, right? 10,000. <laughs> 10 racks, as they say. The Good Reading Room is the Facebook uh, group where you can go get the information. I also post all the links in the show notes. And also on Instagram is Dr. Ian Smith spelled out. When did you know that you were a writer? Or did you always know that? I've always wanted to be a writer. I started writing for myself seriously in college um, where I said, I want to try to write novels one day. And so I just started writing for myself, not telling anyone I was doing it. Uh, in fact, The Ancient Nine, which is my book about the secret societies at Harvard, um, based on my own experiences of being in a secret society at Harvard, The Ancient Nine, which I published several years ago, I actually started writing that way back when I was a college student and finally kind of kept rewriting and rewriting and published it. But but. Since I was a teenager, I knew that I would like one day to write creative fiction, even though I knew I was going to be a doctor. And even though I knew that everyone expected me only to do math and science, I've always been a big believer that you should not stay into a box and not let people put you into a box. And so I ventured outside of the box that I was proverbially in and started writing what my, my passion is, which is mysteries. Well, you know, one of the things, um, Dr. Ian, other than this wealth of information you share in this space about science and health and all of that, that's always been fascinating to me. The very first time I met you, you said, yeah, I'm a doctor, but I, I also want to do this. I want to do stuff on television. I mean, you, like you said, I want to do it and you did, you know, so I'm not surprised that you have also um, been successful in the space of writing. Did you get any writing like coaching or you just wrote books and then. I started writing by myself and then I went to one course uh, in Harlem uh, when I lived in New York as a young guy, grad student, I went to this little course that I found online uh, and I said, let me try this out. It was at the Frederick Douglass Creative Arts and I'll never forget it. And there I got a chance to meet real writers who are published and real editors who work for publishing houses. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Here I am. I paid a nominal amount of money, but I got to get critiques and advice from these established people. And that really gave me the confidence that I could do it and also gave me the understanding of structure. You know, there's structure to writing. And so that really helped me. And so once I took that one little course, then writers have to write. I started writing. 
what is next? Uh, is there another a mystery book? What's next? Yeah. So the so the fourth in this um, series has already been written. It's called Eagle Rock. So that will come out next year. Um, I haven't decided what my next health book is going to be, but I'm working on that also. Um, and then, you know, these books have been optioned to become TV shows. The Secret Society book has been optioned. Um, and this series has been optioned. So hopefully uh, once the writer's strike is over and things get right for writers, uh, hopefully this will go into further development and you'll see it on the screen. Can you tell us anything about the Secret Society? I know we should get the book and read it, but what was that at Harvard? Yeah. Um, so I belong to a secret society. Um, there are several secret societies at Harvard that are all male, very historical. Some of the most famous Harvard graduates and famous Americans from Supreme Court justices to presidents like the Kennedys have been members of these clubs. They're extremely elite. They're very secretive um, and privileged and unbelievably, which by the way, all those things I am not, but for some <laughs> reason they decided to bring me into the club. Um, and it was a very interesting and fascinating experience. And I kind of get into that in the, the ancient nine, the book, I get into the process of how, these very wealthy kids at this extremely elite school are brought into this society that is still, by the way, um, that is still attended to and financed by older, gra very wealthy graduate members who are part of the brotherhood. The brotherhood, I think is fascinating. Um, the ancient nine, is that it? The Ancient Nine, yes. The Ancient Nine. And I'm very interested in your latest mystery book. You've got the detective. You pulled in TV anchors, which obviously speaks to me. And so I'm not going to ask gonna, you what happens. I'm just going to read it. You're going to like <laughs> it. You're gonna, and you're going to know the, the main character, Morgan Morgan Shaw. You're gonna, you have known many Morgan Shaws in your career and all the machinations that happen behind the scenes. Hey, before I go real fast, yes, I just want to say um, the Live Golf Tour. And the PGA. Uh, so I was over at the Texans, um, you know, last day of OTAs this morning, and that came across that they have now merged. And I didn't really, I was, I guess I was surprised, but it was just a reminder that at the end of the day, it's just all about money, right? Because when the live tour was started, the PGA was like, absolutely not. And I was like, man, that's a lot of money. Let's see how long they hold out. And here we are. That's my thought. Well, you just said when they started. No, they've been like that all the way until 10 minutes ago. Right. This is all I want to say about it. It's a, it's a whole different conversation we can have. What has bothered me most the entire time is the hypocrisy. Yes. The idea <laughs> that these golfers who have not been very successful on the PGA Tour, who have not made a lot of money, everyone's focusing on the big names that went to live. But there are a lot of guys in the middle and below the top 100 who were not making a lot of money on tour. And one guy said, I got to feed my family. So they joined this tour that was spending and paying a lot of money because mm -hmm. they were making a financial decision for their family. But everyone started to cloak this under politics. The idea that they're playing for a Saudi Arabian backed league. Well, do you know how much business this country does with Saudi Arabia? Exactly. So, so <laughs> So how is it that you're more concerned about some golfers and a sport that most people never watch? I do. I love golf. But how are you so up in arms about some golfers who decide to play for a Saudi backed um, league because they need to pay their bills, 
yet we're still riding in, in Saudi crude oil and weapons and everything else that we do, but no one goes crazy about that and killing journalists like Khashoggi. No one's, you know, that's disappeared, but we want to really go after golfers who are trying to put food on their table. And now what now? So all that antipathy towards the got the players who were went to live, all that anger and angst against them. Now look what happens at the end of the day. The PGA says, yes, we're going to merge together because you're right. At the end, end of the day, it's all about money. And last thing I want to say is those golfers who are so vocal against the live tour, who are yeah. worth half a billion dollars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's okay with them to stay with the PGA because guess what? They They're make good. 20, they make $20 million a year just in endorsements. They don't have to swing another club to make money. But these guys who are called journeymen who go from right. tournament to tournament, spend half the year away from their families. They're like, listen, this place is offering me a better payday. I need to make that kind of decision. And yet those top ranked golfers making all that money have the audacity to speak down to these guys when these guys don't make what you pay in taxes a year. Uh-uh. You know, it was interesting, Dr. Ian, when that when it first started. And of course, and not to call him out, but it's the name that everyone knows is Tiger. And he said, I'm not going. And I said, Well, he didn't have to go, right? He didn't, he didn't, he didn't have to go. And so um you're worth a billion dollars, Rory McElroy. Rory right. McElroy is worth 400 to 500 million dollars. Of course, you can say, I'm gonna stay with the PGA because, and this is where we all should be. This the guy, one guy won a tournament on the live tour, and he said that he made more money winning that tournament than he had made in 10 years collectively on the PGA tour. Come on, guys. Once again, I'm not supporting the Saudis. I'm not doing that at all. I'm not playing right. politics. All I'm talking about is the hypocrisy of it. Like, how do we decide to target all of our energy and anger towards a Saudi-backed golf league and there are all these other crimes and unethical behaviors they're committing and no one's, everyone's just looking the other way. No, thank you. Anyway, listen, I know I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, Charles, who's our legal expert, says I'm concerned about golfers and the failure of the nation to address the murder. Human life matters to me. Exactly. Those are the things that no one's talking about. We're going to pull out the golf piece and talk about that. Dr. Ian, you'll have to definitely come back. We'll, we'll talk about some other fun stuff. So if 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 I'm tuning in and I think, OK, I'm going to try the Metflex diet. Do I just. Just go get the book and get started. Can I get started and like go to the store? Like, what do I do? Yes. One, pick up the book, The Metflex Diet. Uh, you should also pick up, like someone just said, this is the workbook. This is a companion workbook that goes with it. Uh, it's a daily companion that helps you. Pick up these two things. Go to my Facebook group, Facebook group called Metflex Diet. I'm in there helping all the time. There are almost 20,000 people doing it. And if you want a good read and you like mysteries and you want to stay up late at night trying to get that next chapter in, Pick up the overnights, join my book club group called The Good Reading Room, and maybe if you can solve the clues and mystery, uh, you will win $10,000. First one to get it wins. All five questions. 10000 Now, how long has it been going? I mean, we're not too late to get in on it, Oh, right? no, we just started. We just, oh, good, week. good. Yeah, people okay. are just reading the book. Okay, okay. All right. Well, listen, I um, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Um, I'm going to talk to you because you said you're going to help guide me through this, and so I'm counting on it. And I appreciate you, you know, taking some time and, and being on with us. It's been uh, it's been fun. You have to come back. Thanks for inviting me. I had a good time. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot. See you. That was uh, Dr. Ian Smith.
he has a lot of cool stuff, right? The Metflex diet is just the most recent in his arsenal of all sorts of, um, you know, healthy living, right? And I think one of the things that has always resonated with me when I've seen him and, and talked to him and, and read some of his previous books is that everything doesn't work for everybody. And I know that to be true, right? Because I've tried a lot of stuff. And I'm that person that needs some kind of flex in my life in terms of eating. I do a lot of plant-based. I don't want to do high fat. You know, I don't do, um, I don't do meat. I do some fish. Uh, occasionally I will do poultry. So I'm, you know, I think it's important to be reminded that you've got to find what works for you. You've got to find out what is going to be sustainable. Isn't it just like everything else in our lives, right? What is going to be sustainable? What can I do and commit to? Um, and that is the thing that might work for me. One of the cool things about his Facebook groups, those are free to join. When you get in there, there are people that are, you know, they share recipes. These books always have recipes, but they share recipes and people are sharing their stories. He's in there. He does live stuff. He does real live Q&A. So um, I'm super excited about that. Hey, Marcy Brooks, she said, I just joined the group. Absolutely. And um, Charles Drayton, yeah, he's really interesting. Like, that's why I wanted to talk about the other books he has because it's cool. And many of us are, we have layers, right? He's not just a medical doctor who just talks about weight loss. He talks about other things too. I was super excited to have him join in and, and talk to and talk to me, talk to us about some of that. So I hope you found something that maybe you can try out and you may want to be, you may be interested in um, implementing, right? Finding something that's going to work for you if you're trying to be healthier and, and feel better, right? And then the looking better, it just comes naturally, but I want you to feel better and be able to do the things you want to do with your family, with your friends. And so part of that is just being more healthy. All right. So listen, today I mentioned that I was over at the Houston Texans. I'm going to let you hear from them. But one of the things I did was last week, um, the Houston Rockets had a day of service and they were over in Freedmanstown. And so I know a lot of times we may think, oh, these teams show up and they have this uh, there for the photo ops. But when I got to the location, um, people uh, from the Rockets organization, um, volunteers, even even players, they, they were not just there for the photo op, they were actually doing some of the work, right? I'll show you some of that video later, like pulling up trees and, you know, working in the house. And I just thought, one, I have a special place in my heart for Freedmanstown because I understand what it is, right? And I was glad that they picked that location to not just help. There's a lot of places you can help, but so that their players could learn about what Freedman's Town is. And so um, one of the things we did was we did a, a walking tour. And I've done that tour before. I'm really familiar with Freedman's Town. And I was, I was really, it was really cool to see the, the players. And the coach and, you know, Gretchen, um, who you've heard on this show before, the team president, be a part of the tour and learn about the history of Freedman Town, right? And so here's Gretchen, you know, we asked Gretchen, why, why is it that, why did you guys pick this to do as um, a part of your community service? And here's what she said. Obviously, Tillman Fertitta is Houston and he lives here and he loves, and he loves this city and, um, and we represent the city all the time. I said that we have Houston on, on the, uh, the front of our jerseys all the time. And so telling the stories of the resiliencies of freed slaves that came here, right? And that really built um, this area of town and a lot of the city uh, is, really, is really important. And for our staff to learn the history, right, that was here and give back 
back and have we have families that are here with us so a lot of people brought their spouses and their kids to help not sure if i saw any today but last time they were here um it's it's a great experience for us and hopefully it inspires uh other people in in the city to come and tour this area of town to go to the museum and learn about uh about freedom so i am i like it when people are really doing it for you know the right reasons you know it let me say this any reason that you're willing to help and in 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 a Friedman town Friedman's town or someplace else benefits I'm good with that but to go the next step so that it does even more than just okay this there's a little benefit here but you're learning you're willing to say hey I this is something that maybe we don't know about there are people there in the media who have been in Houston for years and didn't know about Freedmanstown. So it even exposed other people to Freedmanstown who live right here, who are not familiar with it. So I, I appreciated that. Here is KPJ, Kevin Porter Jr. talking about what it meant for him to be out um, and doing some work in Freedmanstown. What they're doing is they're renovating um, a house. So they had to gut it and clean up all around it. And, and, and I think the house should be ready. The goal is that it's ready by maybe October. So it's a process. But here's KPJ talking about why he was glad to be here. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, you know, growing up, you know, having an upbringing, you know, just learning about these things in high school, grade school. Um, it's always been a sensitive topic, um, especially for me being a Black African American. And, um, you know, I, I just want to be a part of things like this more and more, especially in Houston. I love Houston. And um, it's been a home for me. So anytime I can do something in the community like this uh, for Houston, for the black community, it's a blessing. So that was Kevin Porter Jr. Jabari Smith Jr. was also there. I'll let you hear from him later, not in today's show. And the new coach, Ime Odoka. So Ime talked about um, the day before he had been out at the Astros game throwing out the first pitch. So he's really just getting a chance to, to, to get around and to learn Houston. Here's what Emil Doka said about his early days in the city. Great, it's uh, you know, the time that we have now uh, to get out and do things in the community, myself to learn the city, and then the players obviously get back. We got all the guys coming back in town next week, so we'll have the group here and just get a chance to, for myself, it's, it's a big thing. Uh, don't know the city that well, but uh, it's a What are your initial no, thoughts about the city? I mean, I know you haven't been here much, but just what do you gain, what do you think about it so far? Well, it's a huge sports town. Obviously, uh, you know, I was two and a half hours away for 10 years of my life. And so I know Houston somewhat, but uh, to actually get to integrate myself into the city and learn more about it is, is a big thing. And so uh, it's a place that a lot of guys want to be. Uh, guys come back in the summer. And so for me to get the ground running and do things like this is important. That's uh, your Rockets new head coach, Ime Adoka. He talked about um, he's, he's working to put his staff together. Of course, we got in basketball questions, right? Um, getting to know the players. He's been traveling a lot because the players have been different places. Some have been out in California working out. So he's been making his, his early days of being the head coach. I guess it's been a little over a month since he was named the, 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 the new head coach. He has been um, getting to know the players, seeing them work out you know, just really starting to build those relationships with them. And he is, he is working on his staff. You know, I think, you know, much of that staff will come together once this regular season ends, once these NBA finals are over, which by the way, the Nugget and Heat are tied at one game apiece. And there's some thought that he'll probably, you know, pluck some folk from the Boston staff that he had previously. You know, he said he's, you know, he's considering, you know, he's, he's, he's open and, Someone asked him also at the at the day before at the Astros game about John Lucas. John Lucas has been running the 
some of the pre-draft work. And he said, you know, they are, um, that's what Lucas is doing right now. And they're just, he's known John a long time. And so, you know, they will, he will see, he, he was not committal. He was not, uh, he didn't commit to anything or say that he's got stuff, you know, what he's got in place. And for those of you who've been asking me, right, somebody's asked him, one of the reporters asked him about James Harden. And let me just tell you, he can't answer that, right? That would be called tampering. <laughs> he didn't answer it. He didn't, he didn't address it, but it's not a question that the team can talk about right now. So I don't have any news for you guys on that. I thought it was interesting that one of my colleagues asked the question that, you know, had he answered, he probably would have gotten fined one way or the other. Anyway, so um, that's what's happening with the Houston Rockets. We are inching closer to the um, NBA draft. I'm really glad that uh, Dr. Ian brought up um, that he he brought up the the golf tour, right? Because I was going to get to that because it came across my phone when I was over at the Texans um, earlier today, and. The Houston Astros, we don't want to leave them out, are back in action tonight. They are in Toronto uh, taking on the Blue Jays. And they um, their offense exploded yesterday. They scored 11 runs. <laughs> so, you know, we, we were a little concerned uh, over the weekend. They, they, they struggled a couple times offensively. They, were, they, they beat the Blue Jays yesterday 11-4. to Their record is now 36-24. and it's coming together. Um, it's it's the pitching, right? I'm not as concerned about the offense as we as I am about the pitching, but we will see. We still are not at the All Star break, and so we'll we'll see what happens, and we'll see if there are any moves made. We'll, we'll we'll just see what happens in that space. So earlier today, I was over at the Texans for the last day of OTAs. Next week is mandatory minicamp. They'll have two days of that on next uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, or Wednesday and Thursday. I'm not sure. I have to look at my calendar. The but I will be there for that. And today we got a chance to talk with um, D'Amico Ryans, you know, always, and, and Damian Pierce. And so D'Amico talked about the rookies, right? He's gotten a chance to see them a little bit. And mind you, they're still not in pads. They're still not hitting. It's, but they are on the field. So there is some work happening. Here's, his, um, here's him talking about the rookies to this point. As a group, they're doing well. And you start with, you know, Top, the two guys that we drafted first, you know, CJ and Will, those guys have done a, an excellent job for what they've been tasked. They've been get better. Uh, you also talk about a young guy like uh, Jesse Matthews who's coming along, making plays, getting better. Right? Xavier Hutchinson, Taint, like all our guys have been doing a really good job. Juice has done a great job of just being consistent in there. It seems like a like a vet already, like with the consistency, the consistency that he operates at. So all around have a really good group of rookies and I'm excited to see them come back training camp when we put the pads on and actually, you know, get an opportunity to play some real football. I'm excited to see their growth. He's excited to see their growth. We were excited to have a chance today to talk to Damian Pierce, you know, the, the breakout rookie, I would say of last season's team, the running back. He is as energetic and, you know, upbeat as ever. And here is Damian Pierce today talking about this new offense and just his, just his thoughts about it. I think he likes it. I just say it's running back friendly. Uh, that's one thing that excites me. We run the ball. I love that. But uh, I like the, the, the dynamic that Coach Stoll brings. You know, he likes to attack the defense in every way possible. You know, if he sees a weakness, he's going to pull that thread into the whole bar, the whole ball of yarn comes loose. So he's going to pick out the defense. He's going to put the defense in a position where they got to think. 
and um, not where they can react. You know, he likes a lot of move. He likes a lot of motions. He likes putting us out. You know what I'm saying? So once you get the uh, the intent behind this offense, you know, it's really easy to catch on and um, you know and uh, adapt to. But uh, I think right now he's he just making sure we're um, putting our emphasis on the, the why, not more so what we're doing, but why we're doing it. And um, when we get to training camp, we're gonna wrap it up some more. That is Damian Pierce, and um, you just got to love him, right? Exciting, uh, glad to be there, upbeat, smart. You know what I mean? He he really gets it. He's just, you know, his energy, when he walks in the room, he's like, hey, y'all. You know, he's just, that's who he is. That's who he was as a rookie, and so now he's in year two, kind of sort of a veteran, and it's, um, you know, a pretty fun group. Uh, it's a pretty fun group. I am a, Rainice said, very good, really good segment. Thank you, Rainice. I appreciate that, and uh, Charles, our legal expert, who I've got to get back on, it's been a while, said Freedmantown is important for every Houstonian to know about. Charles, you're absolutely right. In fact, I'm actually going to do a, a Freedmantown show or a segment. They're going to be the big interview. We're working on that. Uh, we talked about it last week. So I want to make sure that I do my part to help as many people as possible know about Freedmantown and tell the story about the work, right? Because it's important to preserve it. You need to know why. It's, it's, in, the, it's in the middle of town. It's two minutes from downtown Houston, and most people have never even really, don't even know it exists. And so it's important to know about it, um, support it if you can, go over and walk the streets, understand why there's some bricks in the streets. Some of them have they've had to pull up because there has been, there have been, um, there's a lot of new construction over there, but, you know, there's a Jack Yates house. And for those of you who don't, who don't really know the history of who Jack Yates is, um, well, the house has been moved actually, Sam Houston Park, but it talked about where the house was. It's important and I encourage you to do that. So I am excited about having um, the story of uh, Freedman, Freedman's Town in more detail to dedicate, you know, the bigger interview to it, a, a show to it. I think it's important and I just think it's fascinating. And yes, that's right. Let's go Strohs. Uh, you can never get enough of those Houston throws. Um, Charles Drayton, Drayton says, awesome. Thank you so much, my friend. So listen, I hope that there's something in uh, today's show that you can you got that you can take away from, especially our conversation with Dr. Ian. I know how crazy navigating the space about what program should I do and how should I eat? And I think it's important to remember, find out what can work for you and what you can actually commit to and that you can comply with, right? I know people who've had huge successes on different programs. I mentioned the keto diet. It doesn't, I, I don't like it. I'm not interested in it. I, I haven't bought into it. So it's not gonna be a fit for me, but it's a fit for some people, right? So something that gives me more flexibility, that gives me some plant-based stuff, right? I could actually have some pasta and not be considered like, uh, going off the reservation. Now, I know that I can't have that every day, but just to know that there are some ways you can integrate these things are super exciting. So I encourage you to, whether it's the Metflex diet, go look at the Facebook group. You can look in there and you can find out, well, is this the thing I should do or not? There are other ones. There was a fast burn. There's a, you know, look up Dr. Ian, go to his Instagram page and you can see all the different programs he's had. And I thought he made a great point. He said, there's different things that work for different people. And so he addresses it. You can't put it all in one book. So he addresses it in different books, but find a space that works for you. And I love the way he talked about intermittent fasting. When I thought about it one day, I was like, you know what? That was the thing we used to do was like, don't eat after six 
or seven, whatever that number was, we didn't call it intermittent fasting. It was just, you knew you shouldn't be eating all night, right? So we just got a name to it. And now we're putting some structure to it. So I hope some of that was helpful for you. And as always, thank you for being a part of Chalk Talk. I encourage you to also um, share this show wherever you're watching it, right? Uh, there's my good friend, Dwight. Ah, oh, thank you, Dwight Williams. I appreciate you. Share this and just remember stream first. You're going to hear a whole lot more about that stream first. But just remember to share this show wherever you're watching it, right? Because you're watching it on the streaming platform now. And then it becomes a podcast and it's on all the audio on all the podcast platforms as well. So thank you for being a part of the show, helping to continue to support it. Um, I'm excited about things that are coming up in the future. And I, I just I, I'm excited to be here each and every week with you guys. I will see you next Tuesday here on Chalk Talk. I'll let you hear some more from the Rockets. We're going to talk more about Freedmanstown and we'll know about more about what's happening in these NBA finals. Right now, the series is tied at one game apiece. They're in Miami and the next game is tomorrow night. And the Heat are two and a half point favorites. I mean, not the Heat. The Nuggets are two and a half point favorites. We'll see what's happening. I do believe the Heat are probably um, the uh, sports bookies' worst nightmare, right? Because you have no idea. They're messing up all the numbers, but it's it's, it's great to watch. So remember, um, do something kind for yourself and do something kind for somebody else. Don't forget about I Love Jinka. You can order it online at ilovejinka.com or you can find it in HEB stores. And don't forget about Kimmy Treats. You can find Kimmy Treats at Sunshine's Vegetarian Deli or at, at KimmyTreats.com. Make it a great, great week. And oh, yeah, one last thing. If you're not registered to vote, get registered. Get registered so that whenever an election comes, you're registered. And then all you have to worry about is being informed. I'm never going to tell you who to vote for. I am going to suggest that you become an informed voter. But first, Get registered so that you can vote the value, vote your values for you and your family and your community. Make it a great, great week, everybody. I'll see you next Tuesday on Chalk Talk. Peace.